0: You're now listening to Real Talk with Ryan David. Hi, how are you? Hello. Hello. What's up with the vanilla face? How you doing? What's happening? Welcome back to the fourth episode of Real Talk with Ryan David. I had a number of topics that I actually had prepared to talk about and share with you this week, but when I woke up Sunday morning to the news of a horrific massacre that left 50 people dead in Central Florida, about three and a half hours away from where I live, um, it just seemed fitting to, uh, to switch gears a little bit and change topics. So, uh today i'll i'll speak mainly on on uh, on topics that are involved in the conversation that seem to be taking place um due to the the events that that the uh, tragic events that took place in the aftermath um i want to start with uh addressing this 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 a, a, a tragedy like this and a horrific event like this elicits many different conversations many different discussions um many different angles and I'll get to a few of those major points. But I want to start by uh, just getting the the ignorance out the way. First and foremost, conspiracy theorists. I just, you know, I don't watch news really ever. I get a lot of my news from credible websites, um, short snippets of the news via Twitter, um, word of mouth from people that I trust that have been watching the news maybe to give me short snippets of it. And then every once in a while, I'll tune in myself and decipher what I need to based on what I what I observe. Um, but I also obviously am, am, am involved with social media and, um, you know, it's not long before people come out of the woodworks and start posting their take, their opinions, their, their little memes and, and their and their posts and things like that. But, um, I just think that, you know, the conspiracy theorists that I, I just, for, my take from a few of the things that I saw was just that this is a, Another example of the government planting a killer in a place to draw a divide and make us think this and then that happens and then it's to the go. It's just absurd, really. Um, I, I'm an advocate of skepticism, believe me. I'm very skeptical, but I'm intelligent with my skepticism and I'll do my research and, and you know, at least check and be educated about it. I, I just don't think blindly uh, making blank statements to fuel your, your naive kind of angle or... agenda is productive and conspiracy theorists are constantly attacking oftentimes it seems like you know the government or or certain organizations and um saying that they're they're doing this and 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 they're playing against us and this that and and it it draws a divide the only thing that draws a divide on a grand scale are people like that uh that that really perpetuate the conspiracy theory mentality and mindset and it's it, it draws a a fearful skepticism where self-fulfilling prophecies come true. Things like selective perception and confirmation bias start to take over where selective perception obviously is where we perceive only a biased bit of information based on the paradigm or the frame of reference through which we look at the world. We see bits of information that obviously we uh, choose to see based on how how we are viewing uh, the world and and our own personal lens. And then confirmation bias, obviously where we choose to view and look for information out in the world that will confirm what we already believe and what we already think. So these two psychological terms definitely apply to mindset and mentality. And when people are looking for bits of information among something like this or an event like this where there's a ton of information out there. Um, there, So there's that, which is just complete garbage and a waste of time, but really worth just addressing and calling out. Don't feed into the nonsense. Do your research. Be skeptical, but be intelligent. And then secondly, even more, just... Horrific than someone who's gonna basically create some stories out of the blue are people who are praising these attacks on gays and kind of condoning it or supporting it. Listen, man, if if you're out there and 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 you're someone who would advocate for the attack on 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 a certain group of individuals, you you're a terrorist. <laughs> you have the exact same mindset or mentality that these individuals. Who are or who, who are who are uh, putting together attacks on us as Americans? You're just another form of a terrorist, as far as your mindset and your mentality. It's disgusting and it's sick that you can't quite see that the, the same thing that's driving you—the hate, the fear, insecurities, whatever it is—to uh, to the point where you wish death upon a certain person or group of individuals—is the same exact corrupted mindset. And belief system or type of belief system uh, or nature of a belief system that these individuals who are who are waging these attacks on us have so you know check yourself you know and you really do need um, not just to talk to somebody a professional you need to educate yourself and, and open your your mind and you also need a big hug because that's just ridiculous I mean it it's it's um yeah just as with any other type of ignorance or hate in this country um it's just it's it's sickening and you know, hate's not going anywhere. Rape is not going anywhere. Racism's not going anywhere. Murder's not going anywhere. But we don't have to accept it. So the goal is maybe not to to get rid of it, but we don't have to accept it. And when things happen like that publicly, we can definitely condemn them. And that should be the goal, not to erase or eradicate this, because that's really far fetched. Because there's going to be ignorance around till the end of time. However, we can uh we can really unite against it and make it be the the really really small minority and and um make these cockroaches, turn these cockroaches into what they are and not really give them a meaningful place within society. We have to kind of unite. um, And we can do that in a positive way that illuminates the hate and the negativity. But man, oh, it's just, uh, it's upsetting, obviously, when anytime you have somebody who's that out of touch. Um, And then the last thing I'll say is um, when it comes to just absorbing this information, remember that when it comes to news coverage and Um, absorbing the information that's on 24 hour repeat. It can be emotionally draining and exhausting and consuming and very hard to pull yourself away from these stories, these reports, because they're so emotional in nature, they become compelling. And you feel like you're going to miss something if you turn it off. I cannot encourage you strongly enough to get what you need facts wise, and then turn the television off, get away from it, peel yourself away from it, get the facts and turn it off. It's so difficult to watch for an extended period of time and try to get the facts without being affected by and influenced by other people's opinions. And that's really what you get after a certain period of time, especially right away. There's only so much to report within the first 24 hours, you know, even a week sometimes, um, but especially right when it happens. And at this point, we're about 24 hours, 48 hours away. Um, removed from from the event itself. But still, coverage is nonstop. It's so difficult to get the facts. Get the facts, get what you need, and then peel yourself away from the reporting um, and then come back periodically to see if there's anything new. But, man, you can easily get sucked in and pulled in to now start to absorb other people's opinions and their emotional responses and reactions in, in substitute for facts or concrete, you know, information. And then you almost forget how you really feel, think, or believe about events because you've taken on someone else's emotional baggage. Be mindful of that. And and I cannot encourage you enough to turn it off, really, literally turn it off. Um, that, that I want to just put that out there before I get into a conversation about different topics. Um, in terms of topics and conversations, it can go quite a few ways with, with an event like this. And I call it an event, not to just call it an event like another event in the day of of our lives. Um, I hope everyone understands what I mean when I say an event, a horrible, tragic event. Um, But something like this that that takes place, um, an unfortunate event like this, the conversation can go different routes because there's different factors involved. Um, Obviously, guns are involved, so that would be a central conversation. And gun control would be an easy topic and an easy conversation to have. Um, I'll address that in a moment, but I want to say this about gun control, regardless of what the conversation is, and maybe this is me because I have a mental health background and, you know, that's pretty much my profession and and what I've studied and what I know and who I am. Um, Gun control, no matter what we decide to do and no matter how we address guns, especially pertaining to incidents and situations like this, gun control is merely a band-aid approach to an issue where the cause is poor mental health. And the cure is going to be mental health awareness and mental health support on a much larger scale and breaking away from the stigmas that, that are attached to mental health and help individuals and people feel free and have the access to speak and open up and explore what their thoughts and their emotions are, the same way they get an X-ray on their internal organs or on their bones or an MRI or a CAT scan, and we get medical treatment for our physical body. We have to go that route, um, and I can't emphasize that enough as far as what the cure is. So gun control, no matter what we do, would be a proactive Band-Aid approach to really the core root uh, or cause of these issues, these types of, of, of hateful, violent acts. Um, and at the same time, that broadens a little bit in terms of the core issue or, or the core cause of of these violent acts and this behavior. It broadens a little bit to the psychology behind terrorism as a whole. And I want to elaborate on, on something from a psychological standpoint for a second. When we see events like this and we experience um, vicariously or we observe, I should say not experience, but we observe these events taking place close to home or even globally worldwide, these unbearable acts, it sometimes is hard for us to wrap our head around them. We can't really absorb fully how tragic and horrific and 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 how this can even be taking place from one person to another. And we really can't understand it. And so then that's where emotions start to kind of uh, boil over and frustrations because we really can't understand it. I want to offer you three, not explanations, but three reasons behind the psychology of why somebody with a mindset um, acting out terroristic events. Three reasons why this may take place. Um, The first one has to do with belief, beliefs and a strong conviction and a sense of absolute certainty in the ideology of what someone holds uh, true to them. There's so much uncertainty in the world and so many places we can go um, to try and find certainty. Beliefs are ultimately A strong sense of certainty for a lot of people. And so ideology is at the core of the behaviors for these radicalized individuals. No matter what the belief is, there's a belief that's driving it. And the belief is really, really, really personal and deep-seated. So first and foremost, individuals like this have some sort of corrupted but strong conviction and belief on a deep-seated level. Very, very strong beliefs are at the core. The second is identity. There's an idea, a sense of identity oftentimes, especially with the groups and the in the, the like ISIS and the Taliban Al-Qaeda, when you have these groups of individuals joining together for a certain cause or a certain uh to, to conduct certain acts or to behave in certain ways, identity and a sense of belonging and connection for individuals is also at the core. We all have kind of a sense of a, a need to connect. Um, with other individuals and this can give somebody a, a, a sense of connection but also a sense of identity when they had no identity before they were no one they were a number they were they were a no one they were a nothing and now all of a sudden they they have a meaning if you will in a grand, bigger sense because of this group that they've identified with and is quote just like them in in ways so the connection that's provided within this culture is motivated By a sense of identity in terms of those groups. Now, this individual or individuals who act like in those in those in these uh, lone wolf type situations may not uh, identity may not uh, uh, may not apply as much, but in some ways it may because he may be establishing himself on some level or may have established himself in his mind to where his identity was as a rebel or someone who's going to push back. And then a third is purpose meaning uh, in terms of what I'm talking about with purpose is meaning and significance. So the, the, um, the meaning that, that we have, I talked about connection. We all strive for connection, but we also all have a human need for significance and everybody deep down wants to feel significance and meaningful on some uh, level in some way, shape, or form. And people, human beings will do uh, many different things to be significant, whether it be tattoo their body, get piercings, um, wear certain clothes. There's different ways we can try to be. do certain language. We can do many things to be significant and have meaning or feel like we have you know, purpose in this world. And this mission or cause, as extreme as it is, it gives people a sense of purpose in life, something bigger than them when they join forces or Act out in these horrific ways with these groups, or even as an individual, um, they they somehow, as in their twisted mindset, ascribe what they're doing to a bigger purpose or more significant meaning. So, you know, behind these acts and these behavior, you have things like very, very strong beliefs, uh, a sense of identity, and also a sense of purpose or meaning that they feel like they have. And those three factors will can drive an individual who has no other kind of um, reason to live or or really anything strong that's driving them in their life can kind of drive them to do anything as we see. So I just want to give those explanations as to why and how an individual, a human being, a person with a thinking brain can fall into the trap of conducting themselves in this way or, or treating other people in this way. And those that's my take on, on kind of what's behind it. I may do a blog post on those three things and elaborate on them a little bit more, maybe a YouTube video, but i did some time thinking about what can actually drive a human being and what the psychology is behind it, did a little research, and I think those three factors maybe uh, along with a few others are really the explanation in terms of how an individual can can come to that get to that point. Uh, so that's just food for thought. Now, in terms of gun control, I think that gun control, the conversation about gun control, falls into even a bigger discussion that has to do with legal and constitutional rights. And those legal and constitutional rights would also include freedom of speech, and I think this is where a lot of people are going to find themselves kind of in a pickle, because they may be advocate for really, really strongly for both of them, but yet in a situation like this, one of them really kind of is is interrelated or overlaps and, and kind of directly affects the other. So hear me out on that one. Um, in terms of our rights, I think the first conversation about rights has to do, really, it starts with freedom of speech, because... When we talk about safety, we talk about wanting to protect ourselves from individuals who pose threat or harm. However, how do we know who's going to pose threat or harm if people can say and do whatever they want without any ramifications? So I'm an advocate of free speech, but we have to look at free speech in the context of what's behind or the motive or really what's the nature of what's being said. And I thought immediately about a relationship. And I thought in this country, you're free to say whatever you want. As radical as it may be, you're free to say whatever you want. Because if you take that person's freedom away from saying whatever they want, because it's radical, then where do you draw the line? However, this is the issue I have with that. We have to develop some standards in terms of free speech, okay? I think and I've said for a long time, this country is way too free. And what I mean by that is there's just and limitless. There's no boundaries. There's no standards in terms of our freedom. It's just free speech. Say and do whatever you want. And I think that I, I think the intention behind free speech initially wasn't to be misused and it wasn't to be um, misdirected or or to to provide or allow the opportunity for people to use any kind of um, intimidating, violent uh, language. And I, I thought about relationships immediately. I thought about a relationship between a man and a woman. And just for an example they're in a relationship, they're free to say whatever they want to say to each other, obviously in the relationship. And, you know, sticks and stones and break my bones and words will never hurt me. Yeah, words will never hurt you. And that's why free speech is free speech is free speech, I, I guess. But when I think about relationships, let's say a woman is with a man and the man says the words, I really want to punch you in the face when you do that. Or I have the desire to bash your face in. Those are just words, right? But at that point in time, that woman has to make a decision as to what those words mean and how she wants to act accordingly. She can just dismiss those as he has the right to say what he wants to say, or he can look at the, she can look at the merit and, and, and what's being said and really kind of have some standards on, okay, yeah." whether you would do it or not I don't know but that standard is not acceptable I'm going to need to take action or you know make moves accordingly I I think we have to develop some standards bro we can't just openly accept anything that anybody says and and not explore it or not have any kind of accountability forced upon individuals for what they say they don't have to go to jail this is not communism I understand we're not going to arrest people because of because they just because they speak certain words but I tell you what you start saying certain things or making certain threats or or, or, or doing certain, I don't mind you going on a watch list and just being kind of monitored a little bit. I don't mind you being interviewed or asked a few questions. If you can answer for yourself, you're good. But there's got to be some standards and some accountability. Real talk. Uh, We can't just openly accept anything that everybody wants to say because we have this unbounding freedom. Uh, That's a little bit uh, iffy to me. And I think that's where we get in a situation where we have individuals that free speech, free speech, free speech when it applies to me. But then Buddy says something like this or does something like this or he puts something on social media or he makes statements to his coworkers. Now, all of a sudden, we want him locked up. but. He's he's abiding by and he's, he's taking advantage of the same laws that you're an advocate for for yourself. So I think we need to establish some standards that are universal. They apply to us as well as other individuals just for the sake of our safety. That's where I stand in terms of freedom of speech. Now, as far as the right to bear arms, which is another conversation we can have specific to the Constitution, legal rights, the right to bear arms. I want to think critically about this for a minute, okay? I want to think critically, and I want to be intelligent, and I want to think logically about this when it comes to the right to bear arms. There's a lot of things to be, to be said about the right to own guns. First and foremost, the biggest advocates, most likely I would say the biggest advocates or the, or the group that is the strongest supporter uh, of gun rights, gun laws, um, anti-gun control, that type of thing, would be arguably the NRA. They stick up and they stand up for the right to, to own guns, to access guns. And, and I understand that. I, I get that. Here, here's the issue I have when it comes to the Second Amendment and, and the right to bear arms or own guns for individuals in this country. Our founding fathers, specifically James Madison in 1791, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't foresee the availability of assault weapons, semi-automatic or automatic assault rifles and assault weapons that would be open to the public. Okay? That, that that I don't think is why he they wrote in there that individuals have the right to bear arms. I think it was more they had a, obviously these single sh- fire shot weapons back in the day for protection purposes against the government that came to overthrow them. Now to have a weapon for you know protective protective purposes or to be proactive I can understand that I can appreciate that I understand that. However semi-automatic assault weapons maybe is again outside of the standard that we're looking at as far as what's acceptable or common. You can still own one, but maybe we need to go through a little bit of a different process in today's day and age to access one. And even then, if you're willing to go get an assault rifle and you're not going to do anything wrong or commit any crimes, no problem. Can you just go put your name on a certain list and have us kind of check your background and keep tabs on that weapon or know when you buy it or some sort of more accountability there with no infringing upon your personal rights just accountability for the sake of the greater good i think that if you don't have anything to hide we can start with that not that that's the answer but i'm just trying to draw a discrepancy between owning a handgun to protect your family in the middle of the dark at night in your home and owning an assault multiple assault weapons and 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 what was intended with this law just food for thought once again but i don't think that when the the bill of rights were drawn up and, and 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 the Second Amendment was written in 1791. It was with the purpose for anybody, including a domestic terrorist, to walk into a uh, a gun a gun shop or or access a gun legally uh, like that with really no account really little or no accountability. So let's keep that in mind. The other issue with the NRA that I have is. I understand if if you are an advocate for gun rights and if you do, are a part of the NRI or if you're a gun owner, I understand that your mentality and your mindset is probably that guns are the answer uh, in terms of protection and this, that, and the other. So you advocate for the opportunity to to purchase guns. I can respect that. I understand that. I want to propose this to you though. Guns are not the answer for everybody. So if you have the limited mindset that If you allow us to access guns, we can protect ourselves, we'll be more safe. That would be the case if you were talking about a room full of 20 people who were comfortable with guns, ready to get certified, knew how to handle them, and that was the answer for them, and they felt like they could feel a little bit better by having that option. Guns are not the answer for everybody. There's millions of people that don't want anything to do with guns. It doesn't matter what you say or do with them. They are not the answer for them, even if we have very, very open, loose laws for everyone to access them so we can have them. They're not the answer for, for millions of people. So I really don't think we can have this or we need to go towards this one-size-fits-all approach and this this mentality that guns are the answer or, or more gun freedoms would be the answer and the, and the safer option for people. I understand the angle that if we were able to access guns, individual citizens were able to access guns, we could protect ourselves. That's true for people who feel comfortable protecting themselves with guns, but if we don't, this one-size-fits-all is not going to be the answer for the greater good and for the use uh, for individuals overall in society, in this country. Just another thought. So not to say that we should disrespect or infringe upon the laws or the, or the rights for individuals who are comfortable with guns to 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 purchase them, to obtain them. That, that's there, I understand that. But th- I think that advocates on that side uh, really come from a, a little bit of a biased angle to the point where they don't realize often that maybe their angle and their approach doesn't necessarily work for everybody and it's not gonna work for everybody. And so maybe they need to have a little bit of a caveat to their approach and their support for guns. Again, just food for thought. Not to take anybody's rights away uh, or, or the opportunities away from them, just to maybe look at how we're going about those opportunities and exercising those rights, and if we can maybe tweak those a little bit so that people like individuals who just want to obtain them for proactive reasons or for protection or for responsible reasons, maybe they're the only ones or the ones that have a, a greater opportunity of getting those, and there's some accountability so we can at least start to weed through those who who, who maybe have other intentions or other uh, uh, motives there. I won't get into too much of this conversation that goes down the road of necessary, of what's necessary and what's for recreational use. Obviously, I'm not a proponent or an advocate of, of hunting with the use of guns when it comes to animals, and I know that's a strong argument. Um, but I think in today's day and age, first of all, I'll say just flat out hunting with a gun, hunting animals with a gun is not a sport to me. To me, it's, um, it's the equivalent of cheating at any sport. Um, with a bow and arrow, possibly, I can see um, that would maybe be more of a sport, I would say, maybe because a little bit more um, actual hunting down and a little bit of the factors there. But even then, uh, I think that when it comes to the sport and guns, um, archery would be with the bow and arrow, and maybe a marksman. Uh, 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 that would be maybe more of the sport angle. But the uh, the hunting down to kill an animal, the argument that um, not the argument, but just that notion. That's not going to really have too much uh, weight when it comes to your argument or any kind of discussion when it comes to guns with me. At the same time, let me say this. I wasn't raised in West Montana. I didn't grow up in South Idaho. You know, I I wasn't I didn't grow up and and wasn't um, indoctrinated into the culture in, in, in maybe somewhere in Georgia or or in places that hunting is the norm, has been the norm for a long time, I understand why people may still hunt. I understand why people still do hunt. Um, it's a cultural thing, and it's a historical thing, and I understand there's, 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 there's more to it than just to simply say, oh, people are going out to kill animals. That's not the case. I, I understand not, not the case in every situation. So I'm trying to be understanding in this situation. However, I think that if you are just sport hunting an animal, um, not only is that cowardly, but it's also cheating. Now, for instance, for in, in, in for a situation where individuals are maybe going out and, and in those cultures or in those areas are hunting an animal and they're going to consume the animal, um, that, that maybe is a little bit of a different discussion. I actually probably can respect somebody who goes out And hunts a deer and strips down and eats the deer a little bit more than I can respect somebody who goes into the grocery store and buys a slab of a couple ribeyes. You didn't do any work there. You didn't kill anything there. And you probably wouldn't if you were in that situation. So somebody who goes out and actually does the hunting, not that that I'm an advocate for it or I want them to go out and do that. But if they do and that's their lifestyle, I can understand that a little bit. But just hunting for the sake of hunting and using animals and, and lives for target practice, not a fan. Um, however, I know guns are involved, so that obviously would be an angle when it comes to the conversation. And, you know, I just thought about something. I thought about my analogy about the woman who was in a relationship and the man said something, she's got to take action. I thought about it, and I, I think that there actually are laws that, that, that do stipulate whether or not, if someone does make a direct threat or, an, you know, obviously if they, you know, intend on harming someone or, or doing, you know, acts against the country. I, th- I think there are actually stipulations within the law that you can't do that. So that was maybe a bad analogy. Let me back up and say, what if the guy said, hey, yo, um... You know, I really like what those guys across the street are doing and kind of how they run their relationship. You know, Uh, they beat the crap out of their woman and their woman, you know, kind of behaves. I'm a supporter of of those people. Now, He didn't make a threat. He didn't uh, say anything that he was going to personally do. But he did really kind of identify or align with people who have done that and are doing that. And he has a right to do that. So. I think that when you start – I think my bigger point was when you start to say things that are a little bit suspicious because they could – they're related to or they could potentially have something to do with someone causing harm or posing a threat or danger or inflicting upon somebody else's personal rights or or, or physically harming them, that's when the red flag goes up, so – uh, I hope you understood my analogy there. It was a loose one, but that's kind of where I was coming from. Um, so that has—that's really the—that's con- really the the conversation I think that that is related to, in my opinion, um, the constitutional rights versus our safety overall. Um, but regardless of of how we handle the situation, I, I want to keep in mind in terms of gun rights and and, and gun use. Um, at the core of this, really, this is an issue of accountability. Um, and responsibility and the error is on the part of those who, who assume that every single person sufficiently possesses both of those traits or abilities because not everybody does that's why we do actually need the government and we don't want an anarchy because not everybody is accountable or responsible so we do need to have standards that hold people accountable and responsible for the actions and consequences and oversight there for those things. So don't assume that, well, if we just had all these options, these opportunities, these rights, these freedoms, it would be better. No, because not everybody is responsible enough to take advantage of or use those freedoms in a responsible way. So I think that there there's, could be a real strong error uh, on the part of the, those assumptions. At, at the same time, though, um, we're talking about accountability and responsibility here. Uh, that's really what we are talking about on some level as well. The last point that I'll make uh, has to do with privacy versus national security, and it's kind of piggybacks a little bit off of what I was just talking about in terms of legal rights. Privacy versus national security. This is another situation where we have two points that people kind of advocate for, but yet they kind of can be contradictory in, in a certain sense in terms of specific situations and how they play out. And so this, this unfortunate incident yet again is, is maybe, you know, an opportunity to have a conversation where we're talking about privacy and national security and kind of how they may overlap or, or bump heads depending on what your angle is and how you see it. Um, privacy. So there's a strong push for privacy in this country. We don't want the government infringing upon our personal rights people have an issue. It seems that people have an issue with that concept. And I understand nobody wants to have their legal rights infringed upon. At the same time, those same individuals would like somehow for the authorities to know all there is to know about people in this country that may potentially pose harm, cause harm or pose a danger or pose a threat to us. How is that possible? How is it possible that you don't want the government Monitoring, surveying, listening to, having you be accountable for anything at all, yet somehow supposed to know about the bad guys. Doesn't work that way. So I think we have to wake up when it comes to what we're willing to accept or the sacrifices that we're willing to make and and offer up and give a little bit of our information for the protection of the greater good. Because you are not uh, special. (laughs) You are a part of a bigger picture. And those same rights or legalities that apply to you apply to the bad guys, the bad women. Uh, you know what I'm saying there. So we have to understand how this works on a, on, a, on a much greater scale. It can't just be, well, leave me alone, but go find them. It doesn't work that way. If you're a part of this, you need to play into it. And if you have nothing to hide and you're not breaking the law, you should be willing to offer up your information uh, as a part of a grand maybe system or, or process that takes place in order to find out, who the individuals are who do have a harmful agenda or some sort of a, a motive that, that could potentially harm us. It, it just is, it's really about the bigger picture. And I say that because the conversation about this guy is that the FBI, he uh, was on the FBI's radar for multiple years Uh, And so how could this ever happen? And And I look at so many media outlets and people in general, they like to play the result. They like to do the Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, after the fact. Well, how could they let him slip through the cracks? How could this ever happen? How could they let him go? Well, they did what they did at the time. And now it just so happens the guy they let go or the guy they cleared at that time did this. Guess what? Since January... Of 2015, the FBI has arrested and prosecuted 101 people who intended to carry out acts of violence. How many of those did you hear about? None of them. But yet they did their job. It's insane how difficult this job has to be, yet they're supposed to get it right every single time. That's 101 of these incidents in Orlando that could have potentially happened or probably would have potentially happened. They didn't happen, though, because we have human beings doing the best they can at a job that is so difficult and so it's hard for them to work with the information that we're willing to offer. up. I'm willing to go through a detector at the airport. But look, scan me. As long as I get on the plane safer, you know, you can, scan, you can have my phone conversations as, as long as you don't, you're not going to, you know, intention to, to post them or share them publicly. And they're not They're for the government to monitor. Great. Go ahead. You know, if you catch me talking to Al Qaeda, you know, come get me. Come ask me some questions. Good. Yeah. And if I'm not then business as usual, what's the problem? So this paranoia about that if you offer up information or you're accountable towards the government, that they're going to turn it on you, I, I don't see that as a justifiable reason to not start to participate in, and understand that if in order for, unless you don't care if these people don't get caught, because they're not going to get caught unless, they have the, unless the authorities have the opportunity to screen and, and use the information that they, they, they possibly potentially could have to catch them, find them, locate them, track them down. They're not going to have it. So if you're okay with that, then good, you know, fight for your rights, keep your stuff to yourself. But if you really want this to stop and you really are an advocate for national security, it's called national security for a reason. How's national security going to be secure if they don't have the information about everybody that is in the country nationally? So this is where kind of the, you got to have a conversation about how do we kind of, address both issues you know maintain the privacy of individuals but when it comes to the government screening necessary information to help them do their job how do we get to that point i think it's important that we do get to that point but if you don't have anything to hide you know you got to really think about what you're willing to offer up and if you do maybe that's a good time to look in the mirror so consider these this conversation when it comes to privacy versus national security they both go hand in hand um that's my take on national security and privacy by the way What's everybody thinking and feeling about cops today? It's funny how we take them for granted, huh? It's not funny at all, actually. You know, this guy would have killed 50, 100 more people if it weren't for those men and women who showed up with the lights on their cars that ran in there, put their lives in danger to get the sick individual. But I haven't really heard anybody mention that except for the, the captains and the, and the sheriffs that got a chance to spoke. They congratulated and thanked their individuals, law enforcement, whatnot. No, but everybody else just, oh, business as usual. It's not business as usual, man. That's a, that's a tough job. And they're putting their lives in, 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 in harm's way every single time they step out, you know? So, yeah, we got one, two, three idiots that abuse their power, um, and they should be dealt with accordingly, whether it be kicked off the job, uh, arrested, convicted, prosecuted, all that stuff, sure. But at the same time, man, this, this hate for cops... Um, somebody starts shooting up your house, I bet I know who you're going to call. You know, if you and your family are at the mall, at Disney World, I bet you're hoping that those lights turn on and somebody shows up with a uniform and a gun uh, meeting the police. So just uh, check yourself with all the cop hate. You see that TV and all those, you know, uh, clips that you're watching, all those blinking lights? Yeah, that's because people are, are, are paid and trained and are willing to sacrifice their lives to go out there and do a job. To show up and help you, no matter who you are, they don't care who you are. They get a call, they go in, they find a person with the gun, and they get in the, between you and that person with the gun. You got to respect that. So this this hate for cops on a, on, a, on a much grander scale. We got we got to put that in check. And this is just another reminder that I had like, wow, you know, nobody really mentioning how much they love cops at a time like that, or any other time when you need help and you need assistance. So just be mindful about that one. Another just pointer. Um, I'll end with this. You know. um... I want to just remind folks, especially young folks, that um, events like this that are as horrific and and tragic and and unspeakable, they're just, they're horrible. um, The thing that took place in Orlando, but I'm I'm not, I'm 36, so I'm not the oldest man in, in the world and have this grand experience that I'm sharing. But I'm telling you like this, I already know at this age, events like this happen every day around the world, every day. And so especially to my young folks, I want to let you know, as as terrible as this act and this event was, because it hits close to home, because it's in this country, in this state, maybe even for some of you listening in your city. Things like this happen, events like this happen every day globally. People are killed senselessly. People are murdered for being gay, lesbian. Cars are blown up. Innocent civilians are killed in every other in marketplaces and every other kind of public event like this. They, they they happen. Things like this are happening globally, and they have been for hundreds and hundreds of years. So just just keep keep in mind that that we really are. This is a re- really a reminder of of an opportunity to be grateful um, for the fact that we do live in a place that something like this happening as as infrequent as it does, as horrible as it is, does happen as infrequent as it does. And I think for the longest time, we kind of have seen ourselves. Uh, um, America and seen ourselves as Americans in the United States as as a place to go to run from and hide from and escape all of that madness that we know is taking place and goes on all around the world. But that's that's not the case anymore. I don't think we can run from it. I don't think we can escape it. I think that um, it's here in 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 small, thankfully, um, forms and ways that it is the same sa- that it is in other places in the same way on a much larger scale. Um, I hope that we do what we can to mitigate that and prevent that as much as we can. But I think the reality is. Um, We're fortunate to live in a place where this is not the norm. Um, It's absolutely something that is very, very rare, as opposed to just places that are a short 10-hour plane ride away, Um, potentially places like this where it's happening on an everyday basis. So just be grateful, a reminder to be grateful for where you are and that we we do live in a place um, that is as safe as it is, even though you feel like it's not. This place is the safest place on earth quite possibly, uh, regardless of how dangerous things seem to be. And it's also a reminder of what maybe we can do uh, or a reminder of what's going on globally and how maybe we can find a greater cause. If you think this is a a horrific, horrible act, just understand this is happening on a daily basis in other parts of the world. And there's people there that feel just as helpless and are just as torn down and just as torn apart by what's going on there on an everyday basis. And they feel just as hopeless as maybe some of you do now or you see on the TV. Um, understand that's going on, that's reality, so maybe look for a a greater good and a bigger cause to reach out for and something to work towards, some other way to help and maybe assist, obviously here at home if you have the opportunity, but on a grand scale, um, at least be mindful uh, and cognizant of the fact that that's taking place globally on a much larger scale um, and atrocities are much worse Uh, just because we don't see it on our news every single day doesn't mean it's not happening. So just keep that in mind and think about that. And it's not hard to find if you do go out and look for yourself where those places are and what's going on there. Uh, and it really will shed a little bit of light on how, uh, on how much, uh, how, how lucky and how fortunate we are. And we know how horrific those events are now because they are heading here uh, on us. like I said, on a smaller scale. And, um, we need to understand that the way to obviously if there's a war to be fought against a known enemy and, and terrorisms that and, and terrorism and terrorists that have an agenda, yes, that's what our military's for, to protect us and to, to 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 address that on that front. But as an individual, you gotta remember the way you're gonna we have to remember that the best way and the most effective way to combat hate is with unity through tolerance, compassion, understanding and curiosity. Never lose your ability to tap into those qualities those characteristics tolerance compassion understanding curiosity um just try to tap into those as as angry and as upset as this violence and this harm may may make you um we don't want to we don't want to turn into them in any way shape or form so uh i went a little bit longer than i thought i was going to today if you uh if you identify with any of this stuff or if it resonates with you uh or you just want to share it with somebody that you know or you maybe maybe would would like to hear what i had to say uh, please feel free to share it. Um, obviously, my contact information is all on my website, theriondavid.com. You can tweet me at the Ryan David. Um Make sure you subscribe to the podcast; it's on iTunes. And until next uh, episode, I'll uh, I I'll wish you guys the best, and I'll I'll speak to you soon. Not going to go with any outro today; just going to end with silence. Take care.